Welcome to Brag Talks, a place where we dream big and brag about it, sharing praiseworthy stories. And today, your host for this episode of Brag Talks is Heather Van Cura. And as you know, we're well into season six. And this season, we're talking all about personal accomplishments. And I'm really excited to have as our guest today, a personal friend of mine and colleague for many years, probably decades, Arun Gupta. Welcome, Arun. Hi, Heather. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. So today, Arun, I asked you to share the story of becoming a vice president. I know lots of our listeners have talked to me and shared that that's a personal goal of theirs. And I know sometimes it's uncomfortable to, to brag about stories of success and accomplishment, but Brag Talks is where it's a safe place to do that. So. Being that you're a vice president um, at a Fortune 500 company, I'd really love for you to share the story of how that came to be. And then I'll ask you a few questions about that. Um, yeah, I just want to put the disclaimer out there. This is something out of my comfort zone, but I'm happy to tackle it because I don't like to brag, but the title of the podcast is Brag Talks. Um, so hopefully people find it inspirational. Uh, in terms of how I came about to be. Um, so yeah, in my current role, I'm the vice president and the general manager of open ecosystem team at Intel. Um, and um, in that capacity, my team is responsible for open source strategy and execution of that across the company. We work with a lot of different business units, kind of help them craft their open source strategy. And we do a lot of community focused events like you know, open source summit, KubeCon, you know, we sponsor those. We are deeply engaged in the open source foundations. You know, we make sure we are identifying open source related deeply technical content and publish it on open.intel.com. So all sorts of fun stuff we do over there. And really, I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> I've been kind of doing that kind of work gosh, for over 20 years. I mean, Heather, you and I met way back at Sun, like almost two plus decades ago. And so if you think about it, one of the Chinese saying is, I'm not afraid of the 10,000 things you know. I'm afraid of one thing that you have done 10,000 things. So I guess I would say that is sort of what is I'm a result of, you know, I've done what I'm doing at Intel right now. I've done it so many times at a wide variety of companies back at Sun and Oracle. Um, I would do that. I was running the Java EE evangelism team. I was part of the team and I was leading a lot of the efforts over there. Um, then I got an invite to go work for Red Hat. And from there at Sun and Oracle, I was an individual contributor but doing a lot of technical leadership. Uh, from there, I got an invitation to become a director of um, evangelism at Red Hat. Very similar role, but basically managing a team over there. So that was quite exciting and that was a growth path for me. From Red Hat, as I was doing that director of evangelism, um, my my hiring manager at um, Couchbase, Couchbase is a used to be a startup company at that time. They just went IPO a couple of years ago. But 
that my hiring manager at that time reached out to me that Arun, I want to talk about what are the things that we are doing at Couchbase about evangelism and that's not really working out that 15 minute coffee really end up becoming a two hour conversation. And uh, eventually they ended up hiring me as a VP of developer relations. And this is 2015, 2017. So that was quite exciting. And you know, I'm working as a vice president in a small company versus a big company is a different ball game altogether. But in a way I was a VP at Couchbase. That was pretty cool though. Um, from Couchbase, I, during that time, I was running a lot of, uh, I was a Docker captain. That's when I became a Docker captain. I was blogging excessively about uh, Docker, Kubernetes and all. And um, my manager at Amazon reached out to me that, Arun, do exactly what you're doing, but do it on Amazon's payroll. And of course, the bias kicks in. You're talking about Docker, but then you ended up like I ended up launching Amazon EKS, Amazon uh, Elastic Kubernetes Service, and I was part of that initial bootstrap team. That was a lot of fun. Um, so from an IC at Sun to a director at Red Hat to a VP at uh, Couchbase, then I took back a role of IC because I realized you know I'm really enjoying that element a lot more. I did that for about three years. Really had a lot of fun gave hundreds of keynotes, hundreds of technical talks, wrote tons of technical blogs. And that is really the essence because you know what, what needs to be done. You know, you come across strong with a conviction that way. Um, and essentially what I did is I worked with a lot of service teams across Amazon, helping them define their open source strategy. One of the most fun elements was when uh, we launched Amazon Coretto, which is basically Amazon's open JDK distribution. Uh, it was so much fun, you know, particularly um, taking James Gosling to DevOps Belgium back. Uh, we are talking about 2018, 19 timeframe. So we took James Gosling to uh, DevOps Belgium. That's where we launched uh, Amazon Coretto, really working with that team. What is the community strategy? What is the open source strategy? How do we engage in the community? And I did that for several teams. EKS, I already mentioned, but Lambda team and Fargate team and Open Distro team, all of these teams that I worked with to define their community strategy. After working there for three years, um, somebody reached out to me from um, Apple actually that, hey, Apple want to streamline their open source processes. So I was an IC at Amazon and then uh, I jumped ship to become a senior engineering manager at Apple. Um, at good support in the first year or so, there was a lot of desire to do things right. Um, stayed there for about a couple of years, but having done this at Amazon scale and Apple scale, you know what the challenges are, you know what works, what doesn't work. And that's about the time actually, a colleague of mine who we used to work together at uh, Amazon, her name is Deidre, she reached out to me that Arun, when she joined Intel as a director of open source, so she reached out to me that Arun, do you want to be my new boss? So I kind of feel blessed that, hey, I, I probably have done a few things right that uh, is basically enabling a woman to ask me to become her boss. So that was quite a joyful moment for me. But then 
I started talking to my current boss, Melissa Evers, and her boss, Greg Lavender. And we had a wonderful, frank conversation that what is it that Intel needs? What are the challenges Intel is facing and how that needs to be solved? So that was a good conversation. But one of the primary things over there when I was discussing with Greg is, Greg said, yeah, we are looking for a director, senior director, kind of a person who can drive that effort. But I was very clear that, you know, having worked at Amazon and Apple, if you're way down in the weeds, you know, yes, you may be doing the exact same thing, but if you don't have the title, it's very difficult to bring a cultural change at a company. And so I told Greg very clearly that the only way you can get me is you give me that executive title. And again, very, very blessed and fortunate that Greg said, yup, what title do you want? And that's how really the VP of Open Ecosystem title came about to be. And I've been here at about a year and a half, uh, really exciting uh, to be at Intel uh, because Pat Gelsinger, our CEO, Greg Lavender, our CTO, my boss, Melissa, all three people on my chain inherently gets it. And last week we had Intel innovation event and I was talking to Pat and I was telling him that Pat, every time you say open ecosystem, our team feels excited. So I think in that sense, being after having done open source work for over two decades, built and defined strategy, you know, you no longer are in the stage that, oh, um, can somebody tell me what needs to be done? I'm also deeply involved in the open source foundations. So, for example, I'm on the CNCF Cloud Native Computing Foundation governing board. I'm on the governing board chair as well. Uh, Linux Foundation, you know, I'm the alternate on the governing board. So I know a lot of the industry players. That's one of the big value that you bring when you come to a company like Intel, which is primarily a hardware company. So I guess one thing is to ask for the position. The other thing is how strongly that the person that is trying to hire you need you and do they see the value that you bring to the company? And again, I would say very blessed that Greg saw the value that I bring in and he believed in me, Melissa believed in me and they were ready to hire me on that title. So <clears throat> personally, gosh, just out of a whim, I set up a goal that, hey, by the time I turn 50, I wanna be a VP. But that goal was actually already achieved when I became a VP at Couchbase and I never thought actually that I would be a VP at such a large company. And it definitely comes with its privileges and it also comes with a lot of responsibilities as well. Uh, so once again, consider myself very fortuitous having being around the open source community for such a long time, bringing that value. And that value is evident to the people who are hiring you. Um, that's how, that's where I am right now. Well, congratulations. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. And I think you you touched on it at the very end, but I think that's so important that you ask for it. And I think, as I mentioned in the beginning, a lot of people say they want to achieve that goal of becoming a vice president, but very few people actually ask for it. I think it's kind of the expectation that it's gonna be offered to you or the right opportunity will come along and it will be offered. And there's some reluctance, much like there's some reluctance to you know, brag or share a story of accomplishment. There's also that reluctance to make the ask. There's a little bit this norm that it should be offered to you 
if someone sees the value that you bring that they would offer that position to you? I think that's a very important point. You know, I would really highly encourage people to think about, get rid of that imposter syndrome that, oh, how could I become a VP or how I could become a director or how, how could I could get to the next level? Have a chat with your manager that this is where I want to get to. You know, they say only the crying baby gets the milk. If you don't cry, you know, how would they know what you really care about? You know, you could be on an um, autopilot and just keep cruising you know, in your career. Whatever happens, time-bound promotions, there is no such thing. It's a very meritocracy-based uh, element. But you could just be coasting on your own terms forever and get promoted every several years. If that you're okay with that, then go with that path. But if you really want that path where you want to get to the next level, start taking responsibilities, you know, start jumping into elements, you know, anything in the company that you believe needs to be fixed. You know, one thing that Greg talks about all the time, see a problem, fix a problem. So one of the fundamental changes that has happened, you know, uh, in my um, ability, or rather my attitude is now anybody comes to me with any problem across the company, across the industry, I never say it's not my job. Now that's the job of an executive. So you you have to start believing in yourself. You have to start manifesting it that how would a director or a vice president would operate and behave. Uh, sometimes the opportunities have to be in the right place, but unless you believe in yourself, if you don't believe in yourself, how would your manager believe in you? So the step one is really believe in yourself, get rid of that imposter syndrome, and say, yes, I am capable of that next role and then ask for it and then work with your management. Help me craft that path that how do I get to that level? What additional responsibilities I need to do? And I, sometimes it may not be possible right away. <clears throat> ask for a path, you know, six months out, year out, two year out. When could that happen? So I think that's a very important element. Yeah, I think it's important to state the intention. So obviously, first, overcoming the imposter syndrome and believing in yourself, but even going beyond that, like you said, and state the intention that this is what where I want to be, this is what I want to achieve. And how can I get there? What is what is it going to take to get me to where I want to be? And I yeah, think right. that exactly. yeah, and I think that leads to your next one of the points that you raised too, which I completely agree with was you talked about filling a need and demonstrating the value, right? So you could do lots of things for different managers, but you, if you want to get to that next level, you really have to understand with your current manager or the hiring manager, whoever's gonna put you into that next role or give you that opportunity, what's valuable to them? What do they need? What is it that they think is gonna be the thing that is worthy of saying, you're the person that's gonna fill this position and it's at this level of where you want to be. Right, and let me give you a framework for that, right? See, <clears throat> if you think about, uh, let's say you are a manager, you wanna be a director, right? Now, from going from manager to director is one deal, going to director to senior director and a VP is a different deal. But end of the day, you wanna think about that's the manifestation that I was talking about earlier. So you want to think about that, okay, I'm a director, I want to be a senior director, I'm a senior director, I want to be a VP. So think about if your manager has to create a promo package for you, that means they need, you know, recommendations from multiple VPs across the company. Is your scope and impact 
you know, really capable of getting that recommendation. And your manager should not have to do the work is just that I would recommend start setting up those one-on-ones with your boss's peers and say, what are the elements that I can work with you for you? And my point is start manifesting it that way, because then, you know, all of a sudden, if you go, hey, you know, Arun needs a promotion. Arun who? If they don't know you, if you have not delivered anything for them, they're not going to give a recommendation for you. So you have to really think of this as a bank. You know, if you put the ATM without putting money into it, it's going to overdraft, right? What the heck is happening? So you got to put the money in the bank so that you can put the ATM and then you can withdraw the money. So really think about, think of that in a framework. If you're a senior manager and you want to be a director, think about who the peer directors who can give you a recommendation and what is it that you can, don't have to pick five things, pick three managers, sorry, three directors and say, what is one thing that I can do for you and deliver it for them, show them the value, have the regular one-on-one, have the regular comms mechanism. So think about from the promo perspective, who's gonna sign up on your promo and how are you building confidence for them that you're truly delivering value and don't do it for, oh, I'm just doing this one-on-one, but really deliver value for them. And if you deliver value for them, they will be eager to provide recommendation for you. So that's sort of how you wanna think about it. Yeah, and I think that's an important point because from my experience, a lot of people are surprised about that, that that's how it works, that you would hear about it from people other than your direct manager or from the hiring manager that would ask for recommendations or ask if people know of you and your work. That's actually a practice at a lot of different companies from people in my network that I've talked to. As you mentioned, you know, you have to be known, be visible, have demonstrated the value across the organization, across the industry even, not just up to your direct management chain. Correct, like when I came in to Intel at that point, you know, I was already the CNCF governing board chair and that was an elected position. There were several people who competed for that position. I was once again fortunate because I was doing the work, several others were doing the work, but I was fortunate to be elected. So in that sense, you know, a person working for Intel, you know, being the governing board chair, you know, of course, we we are very unbiased, but then of course, I work, we wear multiple hats, so that Intel's interests are also aligned, and wherever I see an opportunity, I bring the relevant partners in and engage them with the right engineering teams at Intel. So that's the value. So I think it's a twofold um, answer, essentially. One is where you are in the leadership position, and second is, the person who is either hiring you in that position or recommending you for a promo should see the value. And if either of those places are weak, it's your responsibility to make sure that the connection is built appropriately. Yeah, and I think that you really, you have to balance that combination, right? Of the community engagement with the role at your organization where you're employed right? Because they can complement each other and even amplify each other. Like you're talking about in the perspective of being involved with the CNCF, right? It's complementary to the work that you're doing and it only enhances your reputation and your visibility in the industry and further provides an opportunity for you to provide value to your organization. So do you have any tips about how to, how to balance that and how to evaluate opportunities as they come available? Because I think at a certain point in your career, you're kind of almost inundated with 
requests for things to do or boards to serve on advisory things things to review or comment on or companies maybe to get involved with um, from an advisory perspective so do you have any tips on balancing those two things yeah absolutely I'll, um, i remember one short story i remember when my boss hired me for red hat and he said exactly i don't give wherever you want to give the talks i just want you to wear a red hat shirt or a red hat puffy or a red hat t-shirt because essentially that is how you're building the brand you know you're you still keep the authenticity genuineness but you are promoting that corporate brand that's sort of the incentive for them now let's get back to yes i do get a lot of asks to be on the boards um more recently i've been involved with ted ai that's a brand new event that is coming up in san francisco uh, this is done by the TED organization, so I'm deeply involved with them, um, and I've been very meaning. I've been meaning to give back to the community. I have multiple ways I give back to the community. Um, for example, I am a Boy Scout parent. Uh, I do lots of um, merit badge counseling over there uh, for ten years. We have run this nonprofit called as DevOps for Kids, uh, where we have done hundreds of STEM workshops across the board. Uh, to add younger kids. Um, and then TED AI was another way I was thinking about that, hey, how do I get involved with the TED AI organization? So now, again, a pro bono work, but really what I'm doing is helping them organize an open source hackathon that is engaged with uh, UN sustainability goals. So I think the way to really think about this is, you know, and I, I like to think in terms of priorities and framework, right? because that helps you make a sane decision um, every time an opportunity comes to you. So for example, uh, when the TED opportunity came to me, um, it is a lot of work, uh, but it is a lot of fun as well. And to me, honestly, that am I having fun in that initiative? Is this something that is aligned with my personal value? Am I going to enjoy it? Because no matter what job you pick, there is going to be a lot of grind, a lot of grind for anything. But if you're having fun, then you don't mind that grind. So I would say, think in terms of not everything is in, it should be evaluated in terms of am I getting money out of it? But also think in terms of, is it improving you as a human? Are you contributing back to the community? Is this something that you're going to have fun about? Five years out, would you like, oh, yeah, I had a good time, you know, working on that initiative. What are you doing for the overall humanity and the mankind? I think if you think in that language and if you think in that terms, and it may vary depending upon what stage of life you are in. You know, I'm at the stage where money is probably not the first thing that matters to me, but I definitely care about my work-life balance. So, for example, anything that requires me to take a six o'clock meeting, I'll probably decline it. Nope, I can't do it. I do get up six o'clock but that's the time for my run. Uh, and uh, that's the time for my physical workout. Anything that requires me to take a regular 6 p.m. meeting, I'll probably decline it too. Because again, that's the time for me to cook dinner. That's the time to go for a walk with my wife. So really think about, my philosophy is my life, my sorry, work has to fit into my life. My life is not to support my work. So that's sort of my philosophy and honestly that's one of the primary reasons i left red hat as a matter of fact i was having a lot of fun over there but red hat is an east coast centric company everything is on the east coast 
so the most of the meetings were like 8 a.m eastern time and that's freaking 5 a.m pacific time and my running schedule was getting disturbed so have that courage to say you know what this is not working out you know don't get into that innovator's dilemma that oh i've done it once and i'm just gonna stay there and get in my comfort zone highly highly recommend to get into the phase where you are very comfortable with being uncomfortable and that's sort of how i live my life you know doesn't matter what kind of change it is i'm very comfortable with change and embrace it and move on yeah i agree i mean i think that's i definitely live by that philosophy as well being um uncomfortable being comfortable being uncomfortable i'm definitely living in that space as well and let's go back to what you talked about in terms of when you left red hat because that was one of the other things i want to touch on was so you mentioned when you left red hat you went back um, or no, a- after you left um, Couchbase, Couchbase, you yeah. went back to being an individual contributor. And so I think oftentimes people think of their career where it always has to be one step forward and more responsibility, managing more people, leading more people. Um, but I think it doesn't always have to be linear. And I think that's an example of where you saw an opportunity and you took it and necessarily not, not necessarily moving backward, but maybe lateral or you know different responsibilities. So can you speak to that a little bit? Like any, any, maybe that was a little bit uncomfortable, right? When you decide to go from being a VP to an individual contributor um, and yeah, how no, you work through that. Absolutely. Well, I think, and again, that's sort of how I have become over the years, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So yes, um, there was a lot of discussion about it during, in the family around that time that, oh shoot, you know, you're, you're a VP right now, you're going as an IC. Does that make sense? Should you go as a director at least? Da, 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 da. So all that discussion happened. But then the way it came about to be, Couchbase was a 300 people company at that time. Amazon had almost, a, I don't know, gosh, 800,000 employees at that point of time. So VP at a small company um, may not even be taken as a director or even as a senior manager, as a matter of fact. So that's a normalization that somebody has to realize. But then to me, really what was important is the opportunity that I saw joining Amazon at that point, because I realized, wow, that I'm working on containers and all the customers at that time when I'm talking to them, they are deploying their services or they're deploying their containers on Amazon and being on the Amazon, I can influence it. I think, you know, I'm perfectly fine switching that role. And then the fact that this significantly bumped my salary was a motivating factor too. So yeah, uh, sure, I went down from uh, executive title to an IC, but I believe that was absolutely the right decision because Amazon gave me the stage exactly what I was looking for by talking to customers, by thinking about the leadership principles that Amazon provides around customer obsession, think, dig deep, you know, or d- dive deep and think big. Those are the things that really gets ingrained into your blood and your mannerisms, and you start putting them into your life and philosophy that, oh yeah, this is how I got to think about it. And then again, the part about Amazon giving the right stage, because that's when I started writing and um, the blog post that I wrote over that time, the interviews I gave at that time, got massive hits, massive visibility. And that's honestly what allowed uh, Apple to reach out to me that, oh, okay, you know what, you have done at Amazon scale. And so you can do it at Apple scale as well. And so from VP, I went to IC. From there, I went to a senior engineering manager. And then from there, I immediately 
again skip back up like three levels up from a senior engineering manager usually you'll go to a director a senior director and a vp so i skipped those two levels in between but again heather to the point that you were saying earlier that got to ask for it you believe in it got to ask for it yeah definitely and i think that is a great point that you raised and i know people have talked to me about career decisions over the years and there's always that apprehension and you even spoke to it in terms of the salary so if you're at a small company you have like a vp level title and then you get offered a position say at google or wherever and you're an ic but you're making significantly more money and the company is so much larger and so there's just not it doesn't relate the same way it's at it's on a different scale and it really does come down to the opportunity and the skills that you're going to develop um, at that new role, even if you're not going to have that executive title of VP. You could be making more money, you're having the opportunity, you're building the skills that is ultimately going to take you where you need to be. It doesn't always have to be on a certain path. Correct. And, and as you said very well, that is never, not never, it is, may not be a linear path. You know. Uh, don't get stuck into that innovator's dilemma that, oh, I've become a VP uh, from here. I can only become a senior VP. Don't be afraid. You know, if you are excited about the opportunity, take a different role. You know, maybe you don't like management after you become a VP that, oh, this is too big a team. I'm not really making an impact over there. So when I changed from a VP at Couchbase to an IC at Amazon, honestly, I was super excited about the impact that I will create. And I did, you know, working with those different teams, uh, really understanding their constraints on how we need to make open source strategy work for them in a successful manner was very humbling and very enlightening experience for me. And that's the point, right? We have done this at Sun, at Red Hat, at Couchbase, at Amazon, at Apple. It's like you have done this at so many places. You know the where the bodies are buried. You have built those relationships across the companies. And that really what allows you to, that's where the conviction comes in. No, 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 this is not gonna work because I know what are the reasons why it's not gonna work. And that's the way we do it. And then the best part, the cherry on the cake is where the person who's hiring you sees you that way that, oh, this person really knows it. Let's bring him in. And then that, once that match happens, then sky's the limit. Absolutely. And I remember when I saw you, so I remember, so speaking of, you know, the great opportunities at Amazon, I remember when I saw you at DevOps, when you talked about that being a highlight, right, being able to be at DevOps with James Gosling. I remember I saw you there and you, you were very excited and passionate. And so I'm sure that's one of your, you know, career highlights. I'm sure you have oh, so many, but. Oh, absolutely. I still remember um, we did this, well, DevOps is uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a part of Friday. And I believe we did this in the Wednesday opening keynote. So I snuck James in. I worked with Stefan Janssen. I snuck James through the back door, him wearing a black coat. He was sitting in the front row because we don't want anybody to see James Gosling because he's a godfather. He is a father figure in Java. He is the father of Java. So, and then at the DevOps keynote, he stood up over there oh, and he opened up his shirt. He was wearing a Coretto shirt. I am the father of Java and he launched Amazon Coretto. And this goes back to the point where, are you having fun in your job? Now don't get too hung up on the title. I understand the title really brings you that authority by to get things done. 
the fundamental element to think about is, are you having fun in your job? We all spend, if you think about it, if you're sleeping for eight hours a day, for example, right? For 16 hours, you're working eight to 10 hours a day. And rest of the time you are thinking about work. So about two thirds or 75% of your awake time, you are doing work or thinking about work. Don't be miserable. Ask, your, ask the question to yourself every day. Ask, am I having fun? You know, is this the company that's gonna give me the VP title if I wanna become a director or a VP? If not, have that courage to look out, ask, talk to your network. There's lots of people, you know, who would be, you'll be surprised, lots of people who are willing to support you. Yeah, I think the main thing is, yeah, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and ask for it. So that, yeah. I think we really both completely agree on that point. And I think your career really shows that, like you said, like if you're not happy where you are, you know, you've made many moves and, you know, you've found, found the place where you're going to be able to not only have fun, but make the impact that you want to make. And you also got the title that you wanted. So, and also have the ability to do the activities that, um, that fulfill you outside of work, being involved with other organizations. So the best of both yeah, worlds. No, super happy, you know, I think totally blessed in that sense. It's just about being at the right time at the right place. You know, I wish luck to everybody who want to become, you know, get to the next level. And think of this as a journey, right? You know, um, don't think of this like, oh, this is must happen in the next quarter or otherwise life is going to be not very happy. Think of this as a journey. Work with your management chain, work with your executives. You know what you want. Think about what are you giving back to the company? Are you creating that enough value? Because I remember back at Oracle, I had a discussion with my boss's boss and that I'm not gonna quote the names, but the dude said, I don't see you are making an impact. I said, oh, this is not gonna work at all then. <laughs> if you don't see the impact that I'm bringing to the company, you know, engineering is not the only way to bring impact. And at Oracle, I freaking wrote 1500 blog articles to bring all the visibility to the Java EE effort. But then the moment I heard from my boss's boss, that this is not gonna work, I'm not creating an impact, I immediately knew I'm looking out. And I was really fortunate again that Red Hat reached out and I said, yep, let's make a change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're man if your management chain doesn't see you in that capacity or in that role, then you know it's the, wrong, it's the wrong spot. So either a different spot in the organization or another organization altogether, because if your management chain doesn't see that potential in you, then you know that you have to make a move and be in a different place where the management and executives see that potential in you Correct. to deliver yeah. value for them. And I know it's, a lot, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people, but ask, your question, ask that question to yourself every day. Are you having fun? Are you happy? If not, make a change, go for it. You know, there is so much opportunity sitting out in the world you know, that match of your desires, your intention, your hope of what you want to be, somebody's going to pay for you. Somebody's going to value you that much. And exactly what happened, you know, Red Hat came to me, um, Oracle at that point, my boss's boss said, yep, no value. Red Hat said, yep, we really value you. We will do whatever you want. And boom, it just changed right away. So have that courage, you know, have that belief, have that faith in yourself. 
Well, that's inspiring. And congratulations to you again on your current role and all the great things that you're doing in the community. And thank you for coming on the podcast and, you know, living your mantra of, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, because I know it made you a little bit uncomfortable asking you to share this story on Brag Talks. But thank you, Arun, so much for sharing your story. And thanks to all the listeners of Brag Talks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Heather, for having me.